Hello and welcome to the latest TES International Podcast with me, Dan Worth. In this episode, we chat with Daniel Jones, the Chief Education Officer at Globe Educate, about how the school group is responding to the rise of generative artificial intelligence, and specifically ChatGPT. He discusses how the group's working to understand the technology and how it could help with teacher workloads in areas such as lesson planning and curriculum building, and used by students to help improve their work, while also recognising the concerns that it poses around plagiarism and what this means for the future of assessment. He also discusses how the school group has set up its own working groups to discuss these issues and how he imagines the technology will evolve in the future and what education should be thinking about in this rapidly changing area. All that and lots more on the latest TES International Podcast. Daniel, welcome to the TES International Podcast. Fantastic to chat with you on a fascinating topic, AI and chat GPT and all things related to that. Um, a, a topic that's absolutely rocketed up the agenda this year. Uh, I suppose a lot of people will listen to this, interested to hear what you have to say. Before we get into that, though, just give us a little bit about yourself, your role at Globe Educate, um, and I guess, yeah, your, your sort of career history, a little bit of a positive history, maybe, to get to that role that you're in now. Okay, thank you. Um, and it's a pleasure to be here, Dan. Um, so I'm the Chief Education Officer for Globe Educate. Ed, Globe Educate is a large international school group. We have around about 60 schools in three continents, mainly centered in Europe. But we do also have schools in Canada, in uh, India, and one school also in Malaysia. Uh, but the, the, the vast majority of our schools are here in, in Western Europe, particularly in Spain, France, Italy, UK, Portugal, uh, Cyprus. Um, so, so that's where we're, we're based. Um, the great thing about that is we can do a lot of things together because we are relatively uh, close to each other. So the students have lots of events that they, that they, um, that they um, take part in. Uh, we have uh, what we call our Globe, Globe Educate Agenda, where really we're, we're, we're pinning our school practice around uh, the United Nations SDGs. So that's a lot of my work as well. Um, and around educational quality, of course. So I'm ultimately responsible for the quality of the schools. Um, and the strategy going forward and supporting our school leaders and our teachers in doing the best job they can. So that's, that's my job. Um, I'm a teacher. Uh, originally, I was a Spanish and French teacher. Um, and another nice part of my job is I still get to use my languages a lot. I live in Spain yeah. and I, I travel a lot to France and work with French as well, which is nice. Um, so I was a, a teacher then. I became a senior leader. I became a head of school of a large British international school in Valencia in Spain called Cambridge House. Um, I became a school inspector and then a lead inspector of schools for British schools in Spain. Um, and then about seven and a half, eight years ago, I received a call to do the job I do now. And I moved to Club Educate, which has changed enormously in those eight years. We started with 20 schools and now we have about 60. Um, Wow. But they all have the same mission, and our mission is to prepare each one of our students, and that's a deliberate um, statement because we believe in, in every individual and, and in including everybody to become what we hope is a global citizen who can shape the world, who will be a force for good in the world, and we need to equip them with the right skill set and also the right, uh, hopefully, um, interests and insights and, and desire to go out into the world and make a contribution. So that really is what we pin everything that we do on. And that's my, and that's my job. So it's a great job. Yeah, it does sound like a very interesting, busy job. Um, and, and, you know, you talk about strategy and so forth. And I can't imagine anything sort of more, in, you know, that's a huge period of growth, but 
things never stop, right? And I can't think of anything perhaps potentially more impactful than, than AI, in particular this generative AI is often termed now. And anyone who hasn't used it, you definitely need to almost like pause the podcast and go and play with chat cheap cheap minutes <laughs> and come back. But I suspect you all have. Um, and, and, you know, you're talking about the future of, you know, what the kind of people you want to develop and everything. And there's lots of fears about AI will take away jobs and everything. I mean, I don't think we, we need to, maybe we'll come to that as well, of course, but very much from that sort of, it's been what, about six months now since chat GPT really hit the headlines and everyone really started paying attention to this thing and how remarkable it was and what it can do and what, what might, might it be able to do. So from your perspective then, can you give us a bit on that? You know, was AI, AI something you were sort of dimly aware of, but sort of, yeah, it's coming, but not now. And then suddenly this happened or were you always already looking at it? How, you know, that journey of sort of really realizing we need to get a policy on this. We need to come up with a way that our schools know how to deal with this because it's so suddenly it's here and it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I think in terms of AI in general, um, it's been on our radar for a, a while in terms of um, using AI in the classroom. So we do have adaptive technologies that we use with our students, where typically they will answer a question and then, and then if the question is, is correct, then they'll be given a more complex question. And if the question wasn't correct, then they'd be maybe led into slightly easier questions so that they can personalize their learning. That's something which has been around for a while. And I think there have been um, many companies that have um, been involved in education who have been um, um, selling that kind of um, product. Some of them, I think, work a lot better than others, and that's been refined over the years. So that's something that we've been doing for a while. But I do think that the, the generative AI that we're talking about, like the chat GPTs that, um, that have been on our, really, I think, front and center in the last few weeks and months, is it's almost a bit like when, you know, when COVID hit. You know, when COVID hit, suddenly we all had to grapple with getting, getting ready for online learning, and we did it really quickly. It feels a little bit like that now. It feels almost exponentially kind of um, moving faster and faster. And of course it is. Um, and so we started talking about it not that long ago, really, just a, a few months ago, because it was starting to hit the headlines in the news around not just education, but in the whole world. Um, and it, it, we started having questions in our schools. You know, teachers were asking, students were using it. Um, as well, and suddenly um, they were being maybe handing in ass assignments and assessments that they may have been been um, done partially by by ChatGPT or one of the other um, generative AI platforms. And so, I think it has very quickly come to the kind of top of our agenda. Um, in fact, even today, we, we have one of our executive committee meetings and we'll be talking again about it. It's almost a standing point on the agenda now. And I, I, I produced some guidance in April for the group um, and I've rewritten it three times already. Um, uh, just this weekend, I, 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 I added bits and took bits away and changed bits because it is a rapidly evolving matter. Um, I think that is symptomatic of how countries are re reacting to it too. Countries are changing their policies, their guidance almost by the day. So I, I do think this is something which, first of all, is not going away. And if anything, it's just going to be evolving more and more quickly. And of course, that has a huge implication for, for the world and for education as we know it. Um, so that's how I see it. Um, that, uh, there is a school of thought, and, and you know, I've said so myself, that, well, um, Technologies have always come about, you know, we've had, I remember in the 80s when, when I was at school and scientific calculators became the, uh, um, 
the norm in, in schools and, and schools have to, to work out how to deal with that, whether we would allow calculators in an exam or not. And of course now um, that's just um, almost, it, it feels a bit trivial really compared to what the kind of conversations we're having at the moment. But it was the same idea as should we embrace this technology or not? And I think certainly the way we feel about it is we should always be embracing technology because technology is here to stay and we need to work out how to make the best use of that. Um, so that's where we are with it. But I do think that this time it's different because this is not just about an adaptive platform or it's not just about um, um, being able to, to use Google to search for something which, of course, was a game changer in itself. This goes a lot far beyond that. And we're talking about, you know, school practice. We're talking about teaching and learning. We're talking about how, how really um, ChatGPT can become almost a second teacher for, for the students. And, and for everybody in their lives, it's not just about education. This is about, about really supporting us and uh, helping us in everything that we do and making our lives hopefully easier with lots of caveats in there as to how we should be proceeding. That's very interesting, like you say, that, that sort of journey, that this, this time of different and, and the different technologies, like you say, education actually, and, and the COVID uh, references is very interesting, actually, because like you say, it's a very fast-moving, changing situation and you can't ignore it, right? And I think that on those levels, you can certainly see the parallels. And so then from that then, can you give us a bit of an overview then of what it is, this, this you know, ever-changing document, but what are the sort of fundamentals you've put forward to your schools? And I suppose you sort of alluded to this or you sort of touched on it, but very much in response maybe then to questions from teachers, from head teachers saying, what, what do we do about this? Because people are using it. Do we, do we block it? Do we ban it? Is it outright cheating? Is it, is it all fair game? What do you do? And so how did you come to, what are the kind of questions coming to you? And then what have you put out back to them to say, look, this is what we want you, we want you to do with it? I think it, probably the first questions we, we started asking were um, around handing in assignments for, for, for students. So um, where we have examinations, um, where there is maybe a coursework component or a written assignment that they can do at home. And, and, and of course, they use computers for those. The questions that started arising were, well, what if, um, what if part of this has been written by ChatGPT? And, and how do we know? How can we tell whether this is a student's authentic work or not? And, and really the owners, the, and, and the feedback we were getting from some of the exam boards was, well, you know, look at, look at the student's work that, that you're used to seeing and compare it and see whether, whether you think that this was done by the student or not. Almost saying, well, let's see if we can work, try and catch the students up for plagiarism. That was the kind of the question that was being asked. Um, and I think that is very much still a hot topic, is, is how do exam boards and assessments adapt to the likes of ChatGPT, and how how could we know really that it's been um, that, that it's authentically done by a student? Um, and so the first the first things we started doing was re reaching out to to the exam boards and asking them how they see this. And I think the general consensus is well, technology shouldn't be banned and we shouldn't ignore it. Um, and uh, at the moment, the, the guidance that the exam boards are giving is, well, if something has been written by ChatGPT, then, um, for example, the IB would say, um, as long as you quote that this has been produced by ChatGPT, this could be like a quotation that you would find from any other piece of, of research or literature. Um, so that was, that was where it started, I would say. We started having those, those questions from teachers. 
And we started asking those questions to the exam boards. And that was the, the kind of the answer that they got. The other answer they got was, well, we'll probably have to move back towards a more traditional, um, let's say, old-fashioned way of, of, of um, assessing students. In other words, put them in a large exam hall with a pen and paper, um, see what they can do in a high-stakes exam, which um, obviously they don't have access to technology for, so we'll really get to see what the student can really know which we understand as well. That, of course, that removes then the, the problem of, of, of how we know whether uh, this has been produced by, by ChatGPT or not. But that, that was really just the tip of the iceberg um, because that is um, how we can kind of find, you know, ca catch students out using ChatGPT now, but it doesn't change the paradigm at all. It doesn't shift anything in terms of teaching and learning, in terms of how ChatGPT can actually enhance the learning process. And so the kind of discussions we had subsequently, and we're having still now are, well, this isn't going away. Probably the, the, the current examination system will not be fit for purpose going forward. Do we want to go back to just um, assessing students in a large example? Is that a real life kind of um, best practice example of how we should really be thinking about our young people or should there, is there a better way? Is there another way that we can assess? So the, the whole assessment piece was, was really where we started. And now what we're looking at particularly is, well, what are the opportunities here? How can we, how can we support our teachers and our students to learn better? And how can schools adapt as well? You know, what, how can it help with, with school practice? So if I can give you maybe a few examples. Um, yes, please. Um, so starting with the schools, um, we've realized really quickly, and, and this is you know, a great exercise for anybody to do with ChatGPT. Um, uh, ChatGPT can write a school curriculum. Um, it won't be perfect because it will make mistakes, um, but it's making fewer and fewer mistakes and it's getting better and better at, at responding to feedback. So if you said, um, can you produce... Um, um, a, a scheme of learning or a scope and sequence for a maths curriculum for a year one class. It will do it, um, and it will do it in seconds. And this is the sort of thing that, that teachers will spend, of course, weeks and months refining. But you've already got a starting point with ChatGPT, and it's pretty good. If you try it, you'll see um, that, it, it, you know, that it can do that. If you want to, to produce, <clears throat> let's say, a lesson for a, a year seven um, English lesson around um, persuasive, writing this persuasive speech and you say to it, um, give me a lesson plan with that and I've got some, some students who are of, of, with a lower ability so I want you to personalise uh, the, the lesson plan and I want you to produce me some resources to go with that. <clears throat> it will do it straight away. Um, and then you can decide whether you think it's, it, it's perfect or not. And if you don't like it, you can say, well, can you do it again? But can you do it again with these parameters and can you change this? And it will. Um, if you've got a piece of writing that is maybe too complex for a student who, who can't understand that level, you can say to ChatGPT, here's a text, can you simplify it for this student? And, and it will do that. So in terms of resourcing, in terms of planning, in terms of assessing, um, this is a game changer. It really is a game changer. Um, for the student themselves, um, if you produce a piece of work and you can ask ChatGPT to make suggestions on how to improve it, 
Um, and this is something, of course, that teachers have always done. They're the, the typical, um, what went well, even better if. These are the strengths of a piece of work. These are the things that you need to work on next. ChatGPT will do that for you, and it will do it you know, pretty well. Um, of course, it won't replace a human being, and it won't replace a teacher, but it, it really is a great learning tool. And I know from, you know, with my, my, my children as well, that they, they use it almost like a personal tutor. So I do wonder where that whole personal tutor element will go in the future, is whether there'll still be that need for those personal tutors as chat GPT becomes more and more part of our daily lives. In terms of the school itself, um, you know, timetabling uh, is um, uh, anti-plagiarism software that we're using currently. Well, ChatGPT will probably do that better than the software that is currently in place to detect ChatGPT. So there are lots of things that ChatGPT can do, or, or the other tools which are similar, which um, will make school practice certainly, you know, we'll, we'll be able to work more quickly. Um, letters to parents, um, newsletters, um, all of those sorts of things can be written very, very quickly, and then we can refine it and adapt it and improve it. Yes. Well, at that point, I think it's very interesting. We had a piece from not that long ago from someone talking about uh, the Microsoft Copilot um, integration that's, that's on its way, and that will bring a lot of these tools directly into the office suite, you know, for like Word. So for people who don't necessarily want to log on to the chat GPT website, you won't need to. It'll be there in Word, and you say, write me a letter to a parent explaining why their child has missed three days of school and that's a problem, you know, and it might come up with much more sort of professionalised language that they struggle with, you know, and then you think, yeah, you tweak a bit here and change that a little bit there, but it's done. Just to go back then on a couple of those things, they're very interesting ideas. You're talking about um, like curriculum planning and lesson planning, students maybe using it as a sort of to prompt and look at their own work. So is that something there, again, is that like a sort of definitive thing where you've said as a policy or is that you're looking to sort of roll out to teachers almost as a kind of it is okay to do this. Of course, you need to sign off on it. And you know, if there's a mistake and error, that's going to be on you. You can't say, well, check GPT wrote it because that's not how it works. But, but as a sort of, we're okay with you doing that. You should embrace these tools or you should say to students, yes, run them through chat GPT and ask it. That sort of green light to do those kind of things. Because I can imagine if you don't say to people, they might ease that sort of gray area of like, well, is this legit or not? But it sounds like you're saying, yes, you know, that you can do this. So we haven't, we haven't said that to, to our teachers yet. So our, the, way, the way we're thinking about it is, first of all, we're doing a lot of listening and a lot of reading mm. and a lot of understanding as to um, how, how, how as, first of all, how different countries are reacting to, to the use of chat GPT and AI in education. Um, you know, going back a couple of months, uh, Italy had initially banned the use of, of chat GPT, um, saying that it, it, it contravened data protection laws. And then um, they were apparently resolved. And so it's now been allowed again. And there are countries who, who have banned the use of chat GPT. Um, you know, uh, countries such as China or Iran or Russia. Um, my understanding is, unless it's changed, and these things change by the day, that, that they had mm. certainly initially banned it. Um, and I know the EU is, is, is working to, to legislate around it. And I think one of the key points here is... Um, lack of legislation, because it's something that is moving so fast and is changing. It's almost like governments are struggling to keep up with it. So from our point of view, we've, we've been doing a lot of listening and understanding of what the, the different situations are. Because imagine a country did ban it and where we have a school, then of course that's, that, that has to change our guidance. Um, but from a philosophical point of view, where, where, we, are, where, where we are now right now is... Um, We've done a lot of listening, talking to industry experts as well, 
people who are in the um, kind of who are specialists in in AI um, and specialists in AI, AI in education, getting their feedback as well. Um, but what, what I've realized very quickly is because it is such a fast moving thing, then and it, and it does change day by day. All the experts say the same thing: is well, nobody really knows what it will be like in six months' time or a year's time as as these things evolve. We know that there are um, some fears around that too of of how powerful this can really become, and certainly um, you know they're the kind of things that hit the news headlines, and and so we're aware of that as well. Where we are in terms of guidance for teachers is we've created um, a working party to really understand how we can reap the benefits of ChatGPT in the classroom, the kind of activities that teachers can do and students can do, but also the, the risks that come with it um, and the limitations that come with it, because there are limitations um, around ChatGPT. The, the fact that the, the, the data that it uses is, is cut off at September 21 means that most recent events and current affairs are not on its radar, so you can't ask it to do that, and it will tell you that. Um, so, so I think teachers need to know what, what the the benefits are. They need to know what the risks are. They also need to know what the exam boards are saying about it and how that's changing. And they, they, I think a really healthy discussion can be had with students as well around the use of ChatGPT. And I think a lot of this then leads into the big question, which is what's the future of education? With ChatGPT, what will a university degree look like in twenty years' time? Because you know uh, we're talking about schools today, but certainly university courses are going to have to change radically how they how they've been working in the past. So it's um, really really interesting. Um, it will it will be changing um, for sure, and so I think we need to continue to be um, to be careful, to be cautious, to listen, and to guide. And we're, we're at that formulation stage now as to what we, we're not saying to teachers, you must do this, you mustn't do that. We haven't got, got I, don't think we, I don't think we will. I think it'll, it'll certainly be around discussions, training. And I think the more that the teachers can see what it can do for them, the more they will embrace it. Interesting, you, you touched this right at the start, but talking about the IB and the IB, obviously they've said that you, I think, you know, I guess then through their assessments that and, and work, you know, it can be as long as it's referenced correctly, like any other form of work. And you sort of alluded to that as well. But so again, is that stance at the moment? Because I understand that from your working document, maybe that's something that the stance is if you if you use it and you cite it correctly, that's okay. But obviously excessive use or plagiarism is obviously not okay. Yeah. And I think that's that's a very fine line. And I I, I wouldn't be mm. surprised if um going forward the the types of assessment that the exam boards ask for will change. Um I really don't see how, how, how it can't. You know, doing a computer um, generated or using a computer to do an assessment where, you know, ChatGPT can be so sensitive that you can ask it to, to adopt your style and it will, it, will, it will understand your style and it will, it will write like you. So I, I think this idea of, 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 of the kind of checking for plagiarism is going to be really, really thorny in the future. And I know that some of the plagiarism software um, tools that are out there initially were saying with ChatGPT3 that they had something like a 90-odd percent success rate in being able to detect that. But they're making no commitments for ChatGPT4. 
And of course, we're, 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 we're already at ChatGPT4. Now they're working on ChatGPT5. So I do think that that whole piece around understanding what is written by a student and what is written by ChatGPT, I hope will be a non-issue in the future because those sorts of assignments will probably not exist. And that yes. leads into the bigger question is, well, what will exist and how, how should we be assessing students in the future? Yeah, I've seen some great examples of, um, of people sort of accidentally leaving their prompt in when they put, they put the G- chat GPT text into their article and the teacher sort of saying, well, it wasn't hard to spot this bit of plagiarism, you know, on, on Twitter and so forth with a little anonymous account and so forth. And, and I think a lot of people also, when you use chat GPT for the first time, you think, wow, this is incredible. When you use it repeatedly, you see it actually has quite a formulaic way of answering things. Sometimes the intro and the outro are very sort of generic. And actually, if you saw that repeatedly, you'd probably spot it. But obviously, as you say, the speed at which you can learn or adapt or sort of finesse those things out is, is what makes it so difficult. But yeah, it's not foolproof. And, and again, in the document I've seen that you, you sort of kindly shared showing your, that you put together, you, you have one example of, you put a quite a few series, quite a lot of actually sort of examples of how it can be used, which I thought, I guess, would sort of really sort of make the point. This isn't just going to affect English. It's going to affect all subjects. But then you did include an answer where he gets the answer wrong, I think for sort of maths-related mm. question, isn't it? And which again, I think it's an important point, isn't it? It's like it, as much for pupils as for teachers as to know this thing is still learning itself and it's not perfect and you can't just trust everything that goes into it. So, and maybe that's a good thing because at least for now, it means we can say that the teacher, the, the human oversight is very important. And you know, just as you might use it to create a lesson plan, it's not going to be foolproof. And as much as you might get it to answer your exam question, also not foolproof. So there's still that human element that has to come into it. And I think that's something that's, I mean, it very much sounds like you're obviously looking at it from that perspective, but it's an important point to make as well, isn't it? We're not sort of saying this thing is here and it's, it's perfect. It's still, the human element is vital. Absolutely. And I think what a wonderful lesson as well to get students to produce something with ChatGPT and then critically evaluate it to, and, and, and say what's, what's wrong with it and how, how can I improve what ChatGPT has produced? So almost like turning it on its head. Um, and then that, that really is developing that kind of critical thinking that we're, that we're hoping that our students will, 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 will have um, so that they can critically evaluate something that's been produced by ChatGPT. And when you, when you talk about like, the working group that you've created then, is that sort of formed to teach from across Europe, across the, across the world of school coming into form of that, or is that more localised? Because again, that's very difficult, isn't it, if you've got these different regimes that they operate under and laws and so forth. But I suppose the ideas they could come up with like, or, and, and points to raise will still be sort of, should be pertinent generally. So how have you put that together and what kind of, ins- is there anything that's come from that that you can share in terms of, you know, things you hadn't thought about or the way someone's used it that you thought, actually, that's, that's a fantastic use that could really save us time? Well, we're, we're, we're not there yet. So we've, we've formed, we're forming the group. We've, we've, we've yeah. asked certain individuals if they would be happy to participate. The ones that we know have a particular interest in this and a particular right. expertise. Um, so there are heads of school. Um, there are also um, senior leaders from schools and there'll be teachers as well. Um, but they are from, from different um, countries and also different types of school, because we thought that was important to have a, a kind of, this, this should be across all types of school that we have in Globe Educate, whether it's an IB school, whether it's a, an English speaking or a Spanish speaking or a local curriculum school. It's important that we understand that this really has an implication for every school with every context, but those implications may be different according to where the school is and the type of system that they're in. So I think it's going to be... Um, uh, so we haven't had our first meeting yet. So that's that's happening soon. We've created the working group, and the working group's remit will be to um, to discuss and then to provide guidance for our schools. 
um, and that will be, by its nature, um, ever-changing. And so we will continue to talk about this. And, you know, we're talking about it all the time now, and I think that's not going to go away. So um, we need to, as I say, embrace it. We also need to be careful that we're complying with legislation, make sure that any regulations are, ad are adhered to. Too. Yes. Uh, I, mean, I was at the, um, the COBIS conference at uh, the start of May, and this AI was sort of the, the, the sort of main theme of the conference, and there was lots of discussions on it. Um, and obviously without sort of, you know, there's a line, isn't there, between, between co cooperation and your own internal sort of work. But in terms of talking to other leaders in the sector, you know, are you, are you aware that this is where their heads are at and that they're really thinking about this? And, and two, again, is this the kind of thing you think there might be benefits to share some of this stuff? If, you know, there are things you work on that prove well or, you know, work well or a concern that bubbles up that maybe others haven't thought about, you know, are you sharing that? Or would you think about sharing that? You know, how sort of collaborative can the sector be on AI? Because it is such a fast moving thing that, to sit on something that you know or, or an issue you've discovered or something like that or a positive, maybe you should share it. Maybe there's an obligation or a moral obligation, you might say, to sort of like, like in the pandemic, everyone was very sort of sharing because they saw the situation we were in. Is there something like that here? How, how do you think that's going to play out? Yeah, absolutely. We'd be, we're always happy to share everything that we do. So there's, so, um, and this is no different in that sense. I, I think we're learning from everybody else as well. So a, a lot of our thinking is coming from reading what, you know what other other people post on either on their on their websites or on social media um podcasts that we're listening to um talks um there are influencers in the in the sector as well so um we're we're doing a lot of a lot of you know i think we're all very interested in this so we're doing a lot of reading around there in terms of sharing the practice absolutely obviously we'll share across our organization and we'll be very happy to share to share to a, a wider audience as well. We have good relationships with um with with, with other schools, other groups, um and, and with with the likes of the IB. You know, I had a meeting with the IB just last week and we and this was on our on our agenda as well. And the IB are very keen to work with groups like ourselves to to formulate their their approach as well going forward. So I do think this is going to be a very collegial thing um, and it affects us all. So that's, that should be really the way we should be working and thinking about it. That, that is interesting. I've got, I've got a head teacher actually from a, from a school in um, Southeast Asia who's, who's writing me something about um, how he's sort of approached AI because he has an interesting vision. It's sort of not, not in a different sphere to this in a way, but on a sort of single school level rather than a group level. Um, but talking about, you know, what I, I know the article is going to fundamentally talk about how he sort of instructed his teachers to use it and sort of, embrace it you know and, and that it's, it's something they should they should use to their advantage you know and, and not sort of ban it or anything like that so i think there is obviously they sort of better practice that hopefully you know we on tez but as you say elsewhere on social media or other platforms you know, people are talking about what they're doing and i think that that's where it feels like for me and it sounds like where you are at with your group is that it's moved from that you know, we're moving through that phase of the kind of the kind of stop and look at this thing and think oh my god this is going to change a lot and try to work out all the things it could change now we're moving into that okay what are we doing about it phase and things are going to start being implemented. And then maybe in another year's time, we'll start having that kind of, here's what we've learned phase so far. But of course, the difference will be, where will the, where will the technology be then? And maybe we have to learn it all over again. But, but humans do have an amazing ability to adapt and just take these things on. And like when I was at school, like to your point earlier, it was Google, right? And search engines was the big thing. And it was this kind of, oh, well, all the answers you'll ever need are right there. But then very quickly, you realize that, well, no, because there's a million websites. And you know, even back then, they would, they, the quality control was terrible. And it's even worse now. So Actually, there's loads of new skills that get developed about information you know, analysis and doing searching well, you know, even using search Google correctly. And maybe that, that's where this will shift is teaching kids how to use chat GPT 
well. You know, it's not that you can get anyone go on and type, but how do you use it well to augment your job, whatever it might be? So I feel like we should have a sort of a positivity around that. I mean, are you, do you have a sort of positivity towards this? Do you look at it with a kind of, oh, I'll have to deal with this, but I wish I didn't, or do you sort of think this is, this is fantastic, the new frontier of education? Um, certainly the, the more I've, I've looked into it and the more I've, I've um, also just used it myself, <clears throat> I think you have to do that to really understand how important this is and, and, and what a game changer it is in, and, uh, in a positive way. I think that the, the big fear that we all have is, well, you know, will, will AI take over the world and become more powerful than humans? And well, okay, quite probably that will happen. What will happen to the world? Who knows? Or who knows what's going to happen there? So that big, big question, philosophical question is, is kind of, I guess, I guess there in the background. In terms of the day-to-day running of schools, this has got to be um, just great for us. We've got to, we've got to harness this, um, this technology because it really will make teachers' lives um, easier, their job easier, and that will free them up to, so they can have more quality time with the students um, and they can spend longer on, on maybe things that they spend less time on now because they don't have time, such as um, discussions, such as checking in, such as their well-being. Um, such as building skills that, 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 that ha- they haven't got time to build at the moment because they're busy marking or they're busy planning. All of those things should be minimised or, or at least made a, a, a lot quicker and easier through the use of chat, chat GPT. And that's where we want to go with this. So to answer your question, I'm, I'm really very excited about this because I see this as really, um, um, you know, a, a real game changer, more so than any other technology that there's been. And to your point about, you know, there's always been technologies, even going back to, you know, the invention of the loom and the Industrial Revolution that people said, well, this is going to put everybody out of work and um, humans do adapt and societies do adapt. And I I think this is another example of of, of that. I think the difference this time is just how powerful it is and how it can really um, be used by all of us. Um, And to give you one silly example, Friday night uh, came and it was my turn to cook at home. So um, my wife came home, said, I'm really tired. Um, you need to make me a romantic meal. I thought, gosh, where do I start with that? I looked in the fridge. We had some salmon fillets. So I put on chat GPT. What can I make my, uh, what can I make my wife as a, as a romantic meal with salmon fillets? And it came up with this most wonderful recipe that I, that I then made. Um, and um, my wife said, it's the best meal that I've made for her. So, uh, so th- <laughs> thank you, chat GPT, for that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's great. But it's a, it's a good example of, the, of it bleeding into real life, you know, and, and the things it can do. And like you say, a, a silly example in inverted colours, but actually kind of a powerful one. And, 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 you know, you only have to think a little bit harder about how does that play on other domains. And, and you know, and again, if it was got to the end of the podcast, I still haven't used it. You need to go and use it because it will it'll, it'll sort of change your perception of everything on this. But, um, but no, that's really interesting. And, and I think it's, it's great to get that insight on a, you know, on a school group level, because obviously that's, that's another sort of, hierarchy up again in terms of the scale of the impact and the, the things that have to be thought about and start to be worked on. So for sharing those insights, you know, really interesting, really, really um, helpful. And I expect others listening to that will either be thinking good, we're looking at the same things and that's nice to know we're not, you know, we're not doing this on our own or people having the same sort of debates or thinking we need to start thinking about these things because it, it's going to happen. So um, thank you so much for sharing. And um, perhaps, you know, in a year's time, as I said, we can catch up again on this and see what the world's got to and all this and have even more insights to share. But, but certainly for this podcast, thank you very much.
Thank you, Dan. And, and, you know, anybody who is listening who would like to reach out and, and have those conversations would be really, really, really keen to do that and happy to do that. It will, this will be a focus for us going forward with some of the events that we'll organise publicly as well. So, so Great. So, and is there, is there a, a Twitter handle or is LinkedIn the best place to contact you or anything like that? Um, so LinkedIn is probably best. So Club Educate has a, um, has a, a LinkedIn channel. Um, but you can find me on, on LinkedIn as well. If you just look up Daniel Jones, Club Educate, you'll find me. So I'm very happy That's to. Good. Well, there you go. I'm sure you'll get a few, a few messages. Yeah, excellent. Well, thank you again. And uh, that's great. Okay. Thanks, Sam.